Welcome to Spirit of the Hall, our Teddy Hall podcast series brought to you for Orlarians by Orlarians. My name is Ollie Belcher and I am the president of the St Edmund Hall Alumni Association. I am delighted to bring you conversations with some of Teddy Hall's most fascinating alumni, fellows and staff. This episode is a guest appearance between two great friends from Teddy Hall, Richard Kilgriff and Stuart Ford. Richard was a former TV executive for Time Warner and 10 years ago founded Bokomi, bringing insights from the world's most brilliant minds via events, email and audio blog. Stuart is an LA-based film producer and chairman of AGC Studios, one of Hollywood's leading independent film and TV production companies. He has worked with directors including Mel Gibson and Tom Ford, and acting stars such as Julia Roberts, Nicole Kidman, Sir Anthony Hopkins, Sir Ben Kingsley, Johnny Depp and Tom Hardy, many of my favourites. We hear about how Stuart came to the hall in 1988 and was late for his law interview. Somehow I managed to stand outside the wrong staircase for 15 minutes before I uh, realised... There were a lot of staircases, weren't there? It was like, um, and it was like Fraggle Rock, but above ground. He loved the beauty of the place and the eclectic mix of people he met rather than just fellow sportsmen that he was expecting. I do think there's a whole spirit and I do think it comes from the sheer physical intimacy of the place. Stuart believes that the spirit of Teddy Hall helped to shape him and belong in the meeting room today. It's raining in Los Angeles. Are you just saying that to make me feel better? Uh, that's it. It's actually beautiful sun. I said it's been raining most of the weekend. It's actually beautiful sunshine now. It's cold in Tunbridge Wells. Very cold. I'm huddled up over, a, over the laptop with cushions around my head. So, Stu, you've literally come a long way since we went up to Oxford in 1988. So much has happened in our lives since then. Can you remember how you felt the first time you set foot in the front quad? Yes. The first time I set foot in the front quad was when I came up for interview. And uh, I remember it was I arrived late afternoon and it was quite misty the way it gets in Oxford around about that time of year. And it all seemed quite a uh, little bit spooky. And there weren't many people around because I think term had just ended. And it all felt a bit ghostly and surreal at that moment. You make it sound very dramatic. Who was the first person you, you encountered? Can you remember? I, I can. I remember, uh, I don't quite remember his name, but I remember him from subsequently. He was a big, tall postgraduate student, and he always looked sort of pretty bedraggled and stubbly, and he had curly red or ginger hair. I think he was called Andy something. Uh, but I remember him helping me carry my bag up to my room and uh, asking me some polite questions. That was actually quite a positive start. <laughs> Although the rest of my interview trip, I don't remember as that positive. I think I actually made a bit of a mess of my interviews. I had I had two. I had one with uh, one of the law tutors, a very nice man. And he'd actually grown up in Liverpool, where I'm from. And he asked me some relatively straightforward questions, and we got on quite well. But then my second interview, which was with the other law tutor of the time, I don't know whether we're meant to name names or not, but I was late Somehow I managed to stand outside the wrong staircase for 15 minutes before I uh, realized. There were a lot of staircases, weren't there? It was like, um, and it was like Fraggle Rock, but above ground. Exactly. So I've stood there like a Muppet for 15 minutes wondering why there's no one ready to greet me. And I realized I was at the wrong staircase. So I eventually dashed up the stairs. And of course, we now know that you can hear people banging up those stairs very easily. So he must have heard this panicked running up. And I made some terrible excuse about why I was late and it was just a bad 
bad start to the interview. He made some slightly caustic comments about uh, people from Liverpool. Always a always a good start. And then he asked me some really quite for, what I thought were quite ferocious sort of sort of legal philosophical type questions, which I gave really bad flippant answers to. It wasn't good. So not a brilliant start to the interviews, but you can't have done too badly because you got in. I suppose that's right. You know, the the particular spiky law tutor in question had a tradition that as you were graduating, he would pull up his from his files from, you know, four years previously, what his notes were from the interview. He showed me the notes that he took from that interview, which were almost embarrassingly brief, where I think all he wrote was could be fun, um, which, you know, isn't the most glowing intellectual endorsement, I suppose. But maybe he was intrigued enough by my uh, banter to... to, to <laughs> To give you the benefit of the doubt, it might you might have misread it. It might have said "can't be f something." <laughs> <laughs> but that's it's it's interesting that you track back to those uh, visits or the interviews because when when I asked you that question, I was thinking about the first time you turned up in the quad once you're arriving. You know, to, to right. live there. Right. To, but but actually, your first impressions are when you either turn up to one of those open days or the interview where everybody's on kind of best behavior but it's sort of like a pre-freshers hell thing isn't it where everyone's trying to impress each other do you remember socializing at all on that interview process no i uh not with anybody i didn't already know so i uh you know when i applied to oxford you know i was neither neither an insider nor an outsider i certainly wasn't an insider in as much as i didn't know anyone at oxford my family didn't know anyone at Oxford, certainly not Teddy Hall. You know, on the other hand, I came from sort of quite a academically strong grammar school, selective grammar school, which habitually would get, you know, a dozen or so uh, students into Oxford or Cambridge every year. So I was never a super high flyer at the school, but I was always near the top. So I suppose when I applied, you know, I, I was neither neither a shoo-in, but nor, nor was it an outrageous idea. But that what that meant was that when we uh, we went for interview, there was actually about, I think about 15 guys from my school all sort of piled on the train together. So frankly, we just, uh, we just sort of huddled together while we were there. Did you feel, I'm trying not to use the word entitled, but did you feel like it was your, it was natural for you to go there? So I think before setting foot in Oxford, I didn't think it was natural at all. Uh, it was not a foregone conclusion that I'd apply. I was I was very sporty when I was at uh, secondary school and, you know, played a couple of sports at national level uh, and quite academic without being, you know, top of the class. So there were others who were definitely expected to uh, apply uh, and were expected to get in. And I just, taking a point of view that seems to have governed most of my <laughs> decision making, I thought I'd just have a go. No one told me it was a bad idea. I chose Teddy Hall. Well, I didn't choose Teddy Hall. The school basically told me Teddy Hall's the place you should apply. It was the headmaster of the school who was this terrifying figure who, you know, frankly, I'd barely spoken to for the previous six years who said, no, Teddy Hall's where you should apply. You know, I realized with hindsight, he based that advice largely on his perception of Teddy Hall, which was, I think he basically saw Teddy Hall as a as a pretty beer garden for rugby players and, uh, and sportsmen. Because I was from a sporty sort of mindset, that's what he said. Of course, in fact, that wasn't my experience of the college at all. But uh, I was told that's where I should apply. I showed up. I loved Oxford from the first moment I set foot there, to be honest, as a city. 
And as a university, I was just so, uh, this sounds a little flowery, but I really was sort of captivated by the, the beauty of it and the history of it. Not only on that first sort of interview visit, but also when I showed up in my first term, I spent a lot of time, frankly, just wandering around on my own, loving it, soaking it up. And it, it did feel, it did feel right. I didn't feel intimidated by the university at all. Now, the college, that was a different matter. I think, you know, college obviously throws up more kind of social uh, situations and stuff. I definitely had some I wasn't perhaps intimidated but there was I, there was a degree of caution there was a degree of nervousness about all of my Teddy Hall interactions in uh, actually much of the first term and the second term I think to say the least you're quite self-confident and when we met I always remember you being very confident and the picture you've chosen of us two you didn't have to add in to say the least put it this way on the surface I think both of us would appear quite self-confident the photo you've chosen of us uh, that i just mentioned i think it's at a formal hall in 1990 shows us looking very pleased with ourselves the nothing that was taken during our uh, our first year certainly yeah so by that time we'd kind of established ourselves hadn't we but even then it's an intense experience living in such a close community like that and you had sport i played sport i played rugby and you've played for the university of football didn't you you got blue that's right so that that gives you a way in doesn't it i always remember that sport gave me a way in what was your way of coping with being away from home and feeling lonely if ever you felt lonely i had a you know a, a tricky start to life at teddy hall in a way because um right before i was due to go like literally the week before i was meant to start my dad suffered quite a serious heart attack, and uh, he was, uh, which he survived thankfully. But he was still in intensive care on the day I was, you know, meant to drive up to Oxford with all my stuff. So, I think we took the view I shouldn't miss the start of uh, term and this big adventure. And I ended up getting on the train with just a, you know, a smallish duffel bag, being waved off by my mum and my grandma, and feeling actually pretty sorry for myself and a bit like sort of Paddington Bear being packed off back to darkest Peru or something. Um, and so my whole sort of footing when I got to Teddy Hall was a bit awkward because I had this drama going on back at home. And actually, for most of the first couple of terms, you know, I would I would be back and forth home to Liverpool on the train to to see my dad and stuff. So I didn't really throw myself in into it as much as some others did. Uh, and I did I did find it tricky to navigate socially. It was such a such a mix of people. Uh, which of course was its great strength, and you know I got a tremendous amount of fun and friendship and and joy from that sort of eclecticism over the course of the three years as things settled down. But you know I think in those I don't know what you remember, but in those uh, that first term or so, I felt as if you know as you say we had the, I had the benefit of having a bit of a life outside of college as well because of university sport. I didn't think Teddy Hall was particularly friendly compared to some of the other colleges I was poking around, St. Anne's and Pembroke, and I think Wadham I spent a fair amount of time. Teddy Hall seemed to, at that time, have a bit of a bit of a schism. There was sort of half of the college seemed to be sort of quite sort of public school-y, rugby playing, or at least rugby adjacent, you know, quite confident in themselves. And then the other half of the college was like this loose coalition of state school kids scientists, geeks, postgraduate students. There seemed to be a bit of a divide there. You know, I found that a little tricky to navigate as a sort of a sporty male that sort of could play on both sides a bit. But then my head was sort of still back at home with my family. You know, I was, I, I often wonder, and you and I have talked about this, I was quite a confident kid. So I wonder with hindsight, you know, there must have been other kids who were not as confident who found it 
tricky and challenging as well. I think we kind of bonded over that, didn't we? Because we both had girlfriends at home at the time as well. And we were sort of half in and half out. I would go as far to say I had a bit of confidence knocked out of me, if anything, in it, oddly in a good way, to say the least. But that thing about friends or that, that thing about the, the college being friendly or compared to other colleges at the time or there being a schism or there being, it being quite cliquey. Yeah, I think everyone's aware of that. Do you think that was particular to that time? Because it was going through a process where it was trying to, this is, we're talking about the late 80s now, where there was a, a definite push to get more arts and drama students or drama activities and slightly less of the rugger-bugger image. We, we were conscious of that at the time, weren't we? Definitely, definitely. I mean, my, my perception of the college in those early days was that uh, people used to talk about it being a friendly college and the whole spirit, which I thought was really, what it really was, was it was rowdier than <laughs> other colleges after all, you know, there's not many colleges that have the bar as basically an extension of the Porter's Lodge. And <laughs> Teddy Hall basically felt like a bar with a nice garden sometimes. But, you know, it definitely had that boisterous feel, which, you know, can be quite fun. It's not a bad thing. But uh, you're right. As you say, they, uh, I think there had been a bit of a shift in admissions policy. Uh, so it's ironic given I think my school sent me there because they thought I was, you know, a sporty kind of all-rounder. But in fact, I got there and, and most of my year group, you know, it was a much more eclectic bunch of people with all kinds of interests. And that, that was the best thing about Teddy Hall for me because it totally took me outside of my comfort zone. I start, you know, I ended up making friends with all sorts of people with all sorts of interests. I actually, you know, took the sport a lot less seriously uh, after a little while and focused on all sorts of other things. And that's that was a gift to me. You were part of that. You were part of that sort of uh, evolution because I remember sort of uh, – in the first term or two, I, you know, you and I didn't know each other well, and I'd sort of eye you up a bit and think, "Oh, look, there's a—he's a, a northern kind of guy. He seems—he seems pretty confident. He seems pretty happy." And I sort of took you as a bit of a secretly as a bit of a benchmark. I thought, well, "Okay, if he can—if he can look that confident and happy, bouncing around the front quad with his denim jacket on, I can probably feel reasonably confident." So. It was funny when, do you remember when we sort of first uh, first had a good chat, first bonded in that, uh, well, you tell me, can you remember? I, I do. Yes, I do. We were in the, uh, uh, don't look for it now, it's probably not there anymore, but the, the laundry beneath Whitehall. This podcast is about the spirit of the hall and, and there was a, a spirit that, that you go through or that, that, that rubs off on you and you come out of it the other side, even if at first it's daunting, you come out of it with a lot more confidence, don't you? Do you think that what you learnt at Teddy Hall has served you well and uh, and shaped you as you are today? Or do you just think it was the people that you met? Or was there something about Teddy Hall that shaped the way you are today? You know, definitely the latter. And I have a lot of sort of affection and gratitude to my time there because of that. I think my three years at Teddy Hall really instilled in me a, quite a strong sense of who I was and where I fitted into the world and sort of what I wanted to be. And that, that definitely has carried through, you know, through the rest of my life so far. I think mingling in that environment amongst, you know, what is a, you know, a really significant talent pool of intelligent, bright people, whether that be academically bright, socially bright, creative. It's a, it's, it's just a tremendous sort of testing ground. By the time I left Oxford, I, I felt as if, well, if I, if I was able to navigate that you know, reasonably successfully and happily. I remember as a sort of early 20-something going into the career world thinking, I can probably navigate most things. And I, I felt sort of good about myself and 
and confidence. And, you know, that that may not be true of everyone's experience. I realized that I was lucky, but it definitely set me up for, you know, what what was to come. It's really shaped my personality since in lots of ways. I think I always was sort of quite an optimist and quite a sort of uh, nothing ventured, nothing gained kind of kind of kid. And that's probably why I applied. Certainly in terms of my life and where I've lived and my career since, that same let's let's just have a go and see what happens mentality has you know led me into lots of interesting places and by and large prospered because in the same way as I was never the cleverest kid at class in class before applying to Oxford and when I was at Teddy Hall there was no way I was the cleverest kid even in my social group certainly not in my tutorial group or certainly not in that sort of broader college far from it but you don't have to be you just have to be you just have to hold your own and i think just knowing that whatever room you walk into, you know, in my case, it might be with a a film director or movie star, or it could be with a bunch of bankers and lawyers, or it could be a studio executive. I never sit in a room and think I'm the cleverest person there, but I very rarely sit in a room and think I'm, you know, don't belong in the room either. And I think Teddy Hall has a huge, huge part to play in that, in that mindset. And, you know, that's great. I'm really grateful for that. And do you think there's something about the size of Teddy Hall, the the relatively small size of it, that weirdly or ironically makes its students look outside of the hall? I don't know about the look outside. You were very good and very prolific in that. I was always, you know, amazed and frankly impressed by the way you would cultivate friendships, not just outside the college, but even outside of the university. And I think, you know, you had a very sort of adaptable, mature personality that uh, did that. I can't really remember whether I did that so much, certainly at outside of the university or whether our group did i do think i think there's an intimacy to teddy hall which on the whole is very beneficial to the environment and you know when you talk about hall spirit despite my sort of skepticism in my early days at the college as an undergraduate i do think there's a whole spirit and i do think it comes from the sheer physical intimacy of the place it's a fairly unassuming set of buildings compared to most of its its peers uh, and even within that unassuming sort of footprint, if you think of the the communal spaces in the college, the uh, the front quad, the bar, the graveyard, the library, you know, a lot of the main gathering points, they're all lead right right into each other. There's really nowhere to hide it within the college. I think that intimacy makes for a, a shared experience amongst everyone and a certain sort of communality and esprit de corps. Uh, which people, you know, people thrive on and people take away with them. Uh, I also think the other thing about Teddy Hall is, you know, because it is sort of financially and, and, and sort of architecturally more modest than most of the other colleges, I think to a large extent, you know, at times people there bond in that sort of, you know, slight sense of defiance and towards some of the bigger, loftier, slightly more grandiose other colleges. Uh, and that makes for a bit of a collective mindset as well. I'd say there's, there is a whole spirit and there is something relatively unique about it amongst Oxford colleges. Do you have any regrets when you think about your time at the hall? I mean, I always wish I studied more. Oh, I, I actually have dreams about doing exactly that. I'm sure it's very common amongst postgraduates to think I could have I could have done more academically. I really could, you know. And, but one of the one of the few peers I can remember who phoned it in as much as me was you, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> and I blame you completely because of that, Richard. But, Cheers. <laughs> yeah, but I was, you know, I didn't take a year out, and I think there was a certain intellectual immaturity 
to me when I was there that, you know, I, I realized I worked quite hard in the first term or so. And then I realized, oh, I've got, I can manage this. You know, I'm not out of my depth. And frankly, for most of the next two years, phoned it in rather. And uh, it was huge, wasted academic and intellectual opportunity. And, you know, I joked that uh, certainly one of my tutors always reviewed me with a, a high degree of scorn. I don't blame him at all. I think he was right to. <laughs> I think he probably thought, uh, you know, I was uh, a bit disrespectful or a bit immature not to be embracing the the opportunity, the academic opportunity more. I, I definitely regret that. Of course, it's not till you're older that you really you realize what an incredible life opportunity it is to be in that environment. Because of course, when you're 20, you think things will always be like this, or I'll always be in this environment. And after, you know, 30 years or so in the outside world, you realize no matter how well traveled you are, or how ostensibly far up whatever career ladder you're on, you've gotten, it's, it's very rare to have that, that quality of people, that quality of minds and that, that energy all in one place. So I regret that academically. And, uh, you know, fortunately, I scrambled out with a 2-1. So it didn't really do any too much harm to my uh, prospects post Oxford. But that's really my only regret, Rich. I mean, how about you? If I could go back again and do that time again, I'd spend a lot more time in the library. But then maybe we wouldn't have had the fun we had and we wouldn't have met the people we met and we wouldn't have shaped ourselves the way we shaped ourselves today. For sure. I don't regret the experience as a whole. I, we probably could have gotten the balance a little better, truth be told. But I think we both did do lots of lots of fun stuff. And, you know, I got to dabble in all sorts of things, pastimes and, and hobbies and stuff that hadn't really occurred to me when I was younger. And I think that's obviously part of what the Oxford experience should be about. And, uh, you know, when I sort of interact with the, with the college now, I, you know, that's an aspect of it that uh, I'm still keen to support and, and promote. Let's talk about that now, because you've got a scholarship fund that you're involved with. Yeah, the opportunity really is for anyone at the college. And, uh, you know, certainly when when I was there, you know, although I think there was lots of lots of careers guidance for people wanting to go into sort of more traditional areas, you know, banking, law, publishing, uh, civil service, whatever, uh, there was very little uh, guidance or, or, or kind of infrastructure towards, if you like, the you know, the audiovisual arts, television, film, theatre. Uh, and that may well have changed significantly now. A long time has passed. I do, I do you know, I did feel when I came out of Oxford and I, I knew I wanted to work in the media and the entertainment industry. And I remember thinking, you know, I haven't had a whole lot of guidance here. I'm going to have to figure this out on my own. So, you know, the scholarship I set up really is just for undergraduates at the college, a couple of year, if possible, to go and outside of term time, take the opportunity to, you know, immerse themselves in the, in the audiovisual arts. It could be film, television, documentary making, theater, acting, musical performance, uh, whatever. Uh, so it's just to help people, you know, nudge them along and help them immerse themselves in the, in the industry, if you like, whilst they're still an undergraduate. And hopefully that gives them some, some momentum and some, some encouragement, uh, when they leave. One student went and worked at a, basically an unpaid internship in, in Madrid at a, at a production and documentary company. Uh, another student went to uh, acting school over the course of the holidays. Uh, another student uh, came to Los Angeles and, again, was able to work 
as an unpaid intern at a company that gave them great experience. So just a little bit of financial support and a nudge. And it's really open to anyone at the college who's who's interested in, in pursuing that. We've been back a few times, haven't we, over the years? And we've been friends ever since we met down in the laundry in the basement all those years ago. We've both been to dinners and Gordy's. And it's always strange to see the pictures fading on the walls of the well <laughs> with our faces on them. Uplifting and melancholy at the same time that you're part of the history there, albeit briefly. Has your view of Teddy Hall changed over the years? Has it got blurred and misty and rose-tinted over the years? Well, definitely a bit rose-tinted, yeah. I mean, look, I think you and I, again, feel the same. We came out of it and had a pretty great time, so memories of it tend to be fond and rose-tinted. And I certainly don't think of it in misty, gloomy terms, quite the opposite. I think of it in rather brilliant, colourful terms most of the time, and I think of most of my peers at the time in rather brilliant, colourful hues as well. in terms of how I feel about the college now, the world has changed a lot. And I think the uh, the administration of the college has evolved a lot. And I think the current administration are focused much more heavily on issues such as diversity and the well-being of the students than was ever the case when we were there over 30 years ago, where frankly, it was still all rather Dickensian in that respect, and certainly wasn't uh, as diverse as, as it could have been and should have been. But then I think that was true of the world then. In my interactions with the college now, I think you know there's a very progressive mentality to uh, what Teddy Hall should be. And I've been tremendously impressed with the ideas that you know the principal, Kathy, and, and the other kind of senior figures there have for how the college should evolve and how the college should compete with other Oxford colleges. And I've been really keen to promote that, not out of any sense of I need to give back as such, but more just because I think I feel as if, you know, an institution like Teddy Hall is such a cherished, wonderful breeding ground for, you know, great minds and people who can go on and have really useful, fulfilling lives. It's just an institution that, you know, that that merits help and merits support. You know, I'm happy to help try and, you know, nudge things along in the right direction any way that I can. And I think when we go back to Oxford and, you know, I've been back a lot. I even got married there, as you know, and, my, you know, my family has rented a house there over summer for several years in a row while my kids have been growing up. That's really just that my wife and my and my, my boys and I, you know, it, it's a great place to be and we love being there. It's not really out of dewy-eyed nostalgia, I don't think, until you and I have had a few drinks and then we get a bit dewy-eyed and nostalgic, as old blokes tend to do. Less of the old. <laughs> Oldish. <laughs> Getting older. We, you know, we probably seem old to half the people who might be listening to this. That struck me at the last Gordy we went to, or the last get-together, was that we were the, you know, we were the older generation by a good way. Yeah. Really. When people come up to you in the front quad and ask you whether you want a seat. and uh... <laughs> I noticed on the times we've been back there over the years, I mean, it was it was quite a sort of uh, rough at the edges and in terms of the facilities and the look and feel of the place when we were there, as I remember it. But it's really scrubbed up. It's really polished up now, isn't it? Yeah, no, I think there's a great sense of pride in, in, in the in the college and in the in the buildings amongst the uh, you know the senior leadership at, at, at the univer- at the college and amongst the students and and that shows. And look, I think when we were there, I think maybe that was there was a little bit of an evolution going on, and I think you know St Edmund Hall was evolving into a more modern kind of uh, college and institution then, you know. But the, definitely, you could see the join, as it were. And I think maybe we were sort of on the cusp of that. Again, going back to what we said earlier, I think the college 
I applied to or the college my school thought I was applying to was changing, you know, already. And while we were there, we saw quite a lot of change and for the better. And, you know, it, it was a great, great experience to be part of that change. Hopefully, it, I, I think it's continued to evolve and change. And I think it, you know, behooves us all to try and help the college grow and evolve. Some things... I would imagine stay the same. I mean, the architecture, the structure is still the same. And what I really like doing it or have done when we've been back before I've just visited is you see when students are there, you see the groups and you can see who's who you can recognize people that we knew at the time and the characters. And you can tell, you can see the dynamics working out. You can see who's doing what course or, you know, what yeah. subject. And, yeah. and that's, that's kind of, that's quite comforting in a way, but do you think that there is a certain type of person that goes to the hall? I don't know whether there's a certain type. I'd like to think it's quite an eclectic mix of people, but certainly in my interactions, I, I, I agree with you. you. You recognize certain personalities or certain social groups, and uh, that's quite nice to see. And it's a healthy thing as long as there's diversity there in, in every sense of the word. I've got some questions to ask you, which are set questions in the spirit well, of the hall. So what's your favorite place as you remember it? in Teddy Hall, what's your favorite place in Oxford, and what's your favorite place in the world? To answer the first one, uh, funny answer in a way, because I think that what is my favorite place in the hall is somewhere where I barely set foot when I was an undergraduate, which is the College Chapel. And uh, the reason it's my favorite place now is because, as you know, because you were my best man and you were there on the day, I got married in the college chapel. Unsurprisingly, that's a pretty magical memory. And it's it's a tiny little funky sort of little chapel, as you know. It's not terribly auspicious, but we crammed in, I think, 70 or 80 friends. And it was friends from all over the world, including the US, because obviously my wife, Molly, is American. College friends and friends from everywhere. And uh, that was a pretty magical experience, a magical day. And our pal Harry was cranking away on the rickety old organ, if you remember, and uh, so I have just a tremendous fondness for that particular spot right there. That is, that's my Teddy Hall pick, I think. And, and in Oxford? In Oxford, I suppose Christchurch Meadow sticks out just because there's a lot, there's a lot about Christchurch Meadow that I love. You know, I've spent many hours happily walking up and down the river, usually headed for the, the Isis Tavern or on the way back from the Isis Tavern, uh, which is which I love. Uh, I loved. I love just wandering around there, particularly in the winter. I remember I have fond memories of us sort of playing casual games of pickup football on the school playing fields there, adjacent to Christchurch Meadow, and just that sort of majestic view back over into the university. I think that's a really that's a really special place. So, yeah, Christchurch Meadow is my Oxford pick. And the world. What's your favorite place yeah. in the world? Oh, my God. All right. What do I say? Uh, so I would say my. My new favorite place in the world is uh, Topanga Canyon, where, in which, for anyone who doesn't know, is on the outskirts of Los Angeles and is a, a canyon, very bucolic sort of canyon community that uh, cuts through into Malibu. So uh, we have a house out there, as you know, and I think sitting on my deck there, watching the, the sunset over the Santa Monica Mountains is, preferably with a gin and tonic in hand, is you know about as good as it gets for me right now and, and during this strange, strange year that we've all experienced. And yeah. finally, a rumor, rumor stew. Who's that? Can you remember who that is? That's, that's, that's your Reg the Barman, one of the icons of Teddy Hall throughout the ages. Reg and his wife, Marge, 
they were just lovely people, weren't they? They just treated everyone so even-handedly and with such warmth. Yeah, with equal contempt. <laughs> it was always even no, they weren't. And he somehow managed to remember the name and the preferred tipple of pretty much every... Yeah, he did. He was brilliant. He was a brilliant character. Brilliant character. If you could guarantee one thing about the hall that would never change, what would it be? I would say uh, the friendships that I made there. How's that? Is that a good answer? That's a lovely answer. Is it the truth? (laughs) I didn't mean to be that nice, actually. It just came out. (laughs) Thank you. I'll take that. Stuart Ford, thank you very much for sharing your spirit of the hall with us today. Well, thank you, Richard. That was fun. I hope you enjoyed hearing that lively conversation between Richard Kilgariff and Stuart Ford. It certainly brought a smile to my face. Our next episode will be Amanda Davies, who joined Sky Sports when she left Teddy Hall, then the BBC, and in 2012 CNN as one of their sports presenters. She covers all the main international sports events, as well as scandals such as the Lance Armstrong drug scandal and the FIFA scandal. Subscribe now on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts, and thanks for listening.